0: One of the big things that I noticed actually um, from last time was there was a few things that we chatted about that I knew that there were answers to out there. Yeah. And I was annoyed that I didn't know the answers to them. Okay. Um, So I don't know. I mentioned this to you uh, briefly a few days ago, uh, the book From a Certain Point of View. Right. So that's uh, a book that was released uh, not too long ago, essentially showing a new hope from a different point of view uh going on the <laughs> okay i didn't really realize that that's what it was yeah i figured it was like an encyclopedia volume that just gave you some backstory on no. some weird little elements it's actually a novel yeah it's it's done as in sort of little snippet short stories yeah that sequentially also make up a new hope Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, it's very cool. So there was a few things from last time that would have had a really like kind of an extra level of context. Yeah. Uh, for example, uh, Captain Antilles yeah. of Leia's stand of four. Uh, that was I didn't really know a whole lot there, but I did a little bit of more research off of that and from the the book from a certain point of view. Uh, interesting. Into Antilles is apparently the Smith of space. Or the brown in terms of Antilles is the most common of last names. It's the Muhammad of space fighter names. Wedge Antilles has no relation to Captain Ramus Antilles. (laughs) Why would they really do that? Is that just an oversight? Uh, Probably not. I mean, uh, everything I found online seems to point to uh, the fact that there's no clearly stated relation between the two. And the only time that it's ever been brought up, it's been brought up in the context of it's just a super common name. There's nothing to deal with Wedge and Ramus. I find it frustrating when works of fiction title two characters with the same name or similar names just as a clear oversight. Yeah. Like in an episode of Friends, I don't want there to be two Mikes. You know what I mean? Like I don't want even in the universe of Friends there to be two Mikes. In, that makes in, it difficult. It does. Although but the Friends themselves have unique names. Exactly. Well, in, in Downton Abbey, there's a Thomas and a Tom, and both of them are, like, major characters on Downton Abbey. Yeah, that's frustrating. It's stupid. Yeah. They just weren't thinking. Well, I don't know. With Star Wars, the number of made-up names and different variations, I think having the last names be the same and not have them be related, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. It's not, but it just it strikes me as unnecessary. It does. It is definitely unnecessary. Um one Of the other things was, uh, so Ramus was the one who got choked out by Darth Vader. Oh, uh, okay, yeah, so he, he was someone with significance, and so it was interesting to kind of show it from the different perspective, um, uh, of him between Rogue One starting into A New Hope, yeah. So starting from him handing the information to Leia uh, and have her saying hope, as in it's the yeah, I know you're kind of rolling your eyes because of the, the poorly reconstructed Leia. No, I like the reconstructed Leia. I'm an apologist for that. Oh, really? I yeah. don't like I don't like reconstructed Leia. I like reconstructed Tarkin. I know most people don't. I think for some reason that's the one that doesn't bother me. I think you're crazy to not like reconstructed Tarkin, who looks like a little bit like a cartoon character anyway. And what has come what has become of our society that we can't be impressed by what they did with the Tarkin face? I don't know. Yeah, it looks a little computery, mm-hmm. but since when do? First of all, since when do any Star Wars characters or all Star Wars characters look exactly real? No, exactly. I mean, if that's your sticking point, you're not watching the right series. <laughs> um, and the Leia thing, she it looked a little off. I guess the more I see it, the yeah. less real it looks. It seems to me like the first time I saw it, it blew my mind. And that's the really, I think, the main thing that they were going for. I think they knew that that particular one wouldn't age overly well. Yeah, maybe. Uh, and it was just that. It would had such a nice level. to It like adds so much shock value for the theater, the first time viewing of it, uh, as opposed to the Vader scene, which has sort of a similar vibe, but it's the exact opposite. It's one that you could literally watch a hundred times in a row, and you're not going to be that bored by right, it. Right, but theoretically they can always recreate Vader because he doesn't have a face. Yes, exactly. So that's easy. Yes, but in terms of moments at the very end of the scene, the movie Rogue One that were so satisfying... One being something that you can watch over and over, and one that you really never want to see after the first time. That's fair. Yeah. But I was flabbergasted when I first saw... Oh, absolutely. It was amazing. Even having already seen Tarkin throughout the movie, like, I think I was confused by Tarkin. Yeah? Because... What's the name of the actor? Um... Peter Cushing. Oh, yes, Peter Cushing. Uh, I mean, I understand that he was like an important British member of the theater in the 70s and and for a long career before that. Um, So he was somewhat famous. But to me, he's just Tarkin. And I think to the majority of the world, he's Tarkin. Uh, He's also not a hugely crucial character in the saga. As interesting a character as he might be. Exactly. Um, He's an important character in A New Hope. but. For the entire saga, not really now. And having seen them recreate Robert Downey Jr.'s face in uh, Civil War or whatever it was previously, like knowing that technology existed, even that, I wasn't exactly sure what was happening with Tarkin's face when I first watched Rogue One. I was like, did they just get like an incredibly accurate look-alike and put some makeup on him like it took me a while to understand and then with with Carrie Fisher it was obviously a a computer recreation of her face and so it was more obvious for that reason I mean in both instances they had somebody that they thought had a similar bone structure to be the stand-in right um but also she's just more uh Youthful and pure looking and beautiful and Tarkin is kind of grizzled and cartoony looking. It's easier to recreate that Yep, that's fair point because you're not necessarily and that's the thing. That is the one thing. I also noticed about this recent 20 um, From New Hope is just how young Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill are seriously they are such kids Can I just say one thing I noticed I realized shortly after we released the first episode? We forgot a very significant quote in the first 20 and we did not acknowledge it. Really? yeah what was that well it wasn't said aloud okay but a long time ago in a galaxy far okay, far away it's not technically part of the crawl it's part of the sequence yeah but it does happen in that first frame of star wars and we didn't address it whatsoever that is true good point that is something that comes we'll, we'll have that chance next time <laughs> a because few more e- times every movie we're gonna have that again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true every single one will at least have those blue letters right um do the standalone ones uh, i know they don't have a crawl i'm just trying to remember if they have the a long time ago rogue one definitely had a long time ago a galaxy did far it far away. okay because i know they do the uh, immediate panda space and but i just wasn't sure do they have it on uh rebels and and clone wars uh so they do similar sort of intros but no not the same okay Uh, I think they may have done it at the the start of Mm -hmm. one of those series, but maybe not. I can't remember. I don't think so. What can you tell me about this reimagination of the original Vader-Ben Kenobi duel that is apparently, it's on its way. It got a release date this week, December 12th. They're going to release this new version, this heightened, more exciting version of that original lightsaber duel. Yeah, I've seen snippets of it. What does it mean? What is this? Uh, I think it's just something that someone's done. They've computer generated. You can see from a couple shots uh, the face that's used to kind of represent Obi Wan, Alec Guinness. Is, it's, not, it's not great. Is it more of this computer generation stuff? Yeah. Oh. I'm, almost, I'm almost positive the whole thing is computer generated. I don't think it's, uh, I think some of it may be shot. Uh, but there's definitely parts of it that are, com- that are computer generated. And it's just to give that duel a little more pep. Yep. And they splice it up so it's not something where they're just adding like this huge long sequence in like the middle or something. Right. But they splice it between a few of the different shots that are existing in A New Hope. Okay. Uh, and it really is, it fits that same sort of um, battle from A New Hope in that it's, it, they're taunting one another. It's very rough and not a polished, pretty battle. Uh, like, the last time the two of them met. Right. Uh, or, so we know the last time the two of them met. Uh, it's very much, uh, holy shit, I haven't seen you in 20 years. And am I, I know, I mean, from Obi-Wan's perspective, I know I'm not coming out of this alive. In Vader's perspective, I know he's not coming out of this alive. Well, and speaking of Rogue One, that incredible uh, Vader scene towards the end of the movie, it's mind-blowing, yeah. really kind of sheds a new light on that, lightsaber duel in a new hope which just happens a couple of days later in the timeline yep it really kind of illustrates uh how uh virile and just how lively vader is capable of being and how he is interacting with ben kenobi as a result well i know we haven't gotten to that point in uh the viewing of the movie in the 20s but he's very clearly at a couple points you can see that he's taunting Obi Wan, holding back. There are some points where it's like, well, that's a little bit sloppy, like sloppy and choppy and slow. Uh, but there are definitely a few points where you can. It just it looks like he's holding back and just messing with Obi Wan intentionally. Right. And so I see that as. We all know the actual fact was that it's it's forty years ago and these things happen. Sure, uh, but. I think that there are enough moments of it looking like him taunting Obi-Wan for that to pass as the logical excuse for what actually happened. Isn't it interesting that even after all the backlash 10, 15 years ago, when Lucas went back into that original trilogy and started moving stuff around, putting Jabba the Hutt in A New Hope, uh, putting, uh, what's his name? Anakin Skywalker? Uh, Hayden, Christensen Hayden Christensen in Return, in Return, of, the Return of the Jedi, Jedi uh, Han shot first, making all these little adjustments that caused so much uh, fan uproar. Mm-hmm. They're still going in, and they're still tweaking this original movie. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think this one's done being being directly done by Lucasfilm. Oh, it's not. I don't think so, no. I don't know, man. I saw on the Star Wars subreddit that it's like got a release date for December 12th. If this is not going to be included in some kind of special edition DVD set, I don't really care. That's why I brought it up. I'm not sure. I'll have to do a little bit more research into that one. Uh, when it comes to actual release dates, we uh, the Blu-ray coming for The Last Jedi is coming out soon. I know I went to Best Buy the other day to buy it because I had seen that it was available on like iTunes and everything. Turns out it's only available digitally so far. Yeah, the digital so far and the Blu-ray will be coming out soon. But the deleted scenes are out for The Last Jedi, and so uh, there's been some of those that have been around. I don't know if you've had a, really a chance to take a look at those yet. I haven't taken a look at them. I was going to buy the, the Blu-ray and watch them that way. Well, I've got a list of them up right here, if we just want to quickly go through them. Yeah, cool. Uh, so one of the first ones is an alternate opening. Uh, so this alternate opening has John Boyega. It just gives a little bit more of a different sort of context. So this be an opening to the entire movie. Okay. Uh, and this is him in that sort of uh, chamber, that recovery chamber. Wouldn't it be bizarre to open The Last Jedi on John Boyega? It's a little bit weird to open on Finn there, uh, but that's kind of the approach that they went with. I'm glad they didn't go this route, uh, but uh, for a little bit more context, uh, it just adds a little bit more to the scene. I like the way that they switch between Where's Rey and they go right to Octu from there, and that space battle opening up The Last Jedi is fantastic. It's awesome. It's phenomenal. I it's mean, it's awesome. Take your opinions on the jokes between General Hugs and, oh, I can't hear you. I thought that was kind of funny. It was a little marvelly, but It doesn't oh bother well. me except for that they have now started both of these movies with Poe being a son of a bitch. Yeah. Like, both movies started that way. It, neither one individually bugs me, but like, okay, let's not get stuck in our ways. Yeah, so Return of the Jedi, let's not open with Poe in that regard. <laughs> exactly. Uh, sorry, not Return of the Jedi, episode nine. Whatever episode nine is called. Um there's a little bit more on page uh so i haven't seen this one but they do a little bit more give a little bit of backstory on page that's uh, Rosa's sister? Rose's, rose's sister rose's sister yep. Rose's a super badass more interesting sister oh exactly yeah <laughs> and so i think that's kind of something that um it really for so f- little screen time mm-hmm. She was a pretty powerful character I found oh God yeah and so I think I, I haven't seen this one uh, this deleted scene in particular but I, I think this is something that will will add some extra extra reason to like Rose yeah because uh, I think most people agree that Rose wasn't the best. Of the newest of characters. She's just a hipster. She's she's kind of bland. Yeah, she is. And Paige, as we agree, kind of would be maybe have been a little bit more interesting. So what's weird about Paige's like one action scene when she's like lying on that bridge and she's trying to get the the remote to fall down and land in her hand or whatever. For some reason, that very specific bizarre sequence is relatable. You know what I mean? Like, We've never been in that exact situation. Well you've been whoa, in a situation. You're never in that situation. Every Tuesday I find myself I have where, never, like, the fate of the galaxy. I have never found myself in a giant active grenade chamber trying to catch the remote. No. Uh, but, you know, you, you're like, oh, I'm going to toss it to me. I'm going to catch it. And, like, the fear of am mm. I going to catch it or not, I don't know. That kind of That kind of ignited when I watched that scene. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But we get a little bit more of her, so that's good. Maybe that'll make us... Uh, like Rose a bit more. Uh, The next one that is really interesting, and this is one that I think uh, universally every fan is going to wish was kept in, uh, and that's giving a little bit more of a reaction when Luke finds out that Han died. Yes! So apparently it's just a short little scene, uh, a couple seconds, but you get a a tear from Luke uh, just to show a little bit more of a reaction than the where's han although i found that impactful too it was impactful but i yeah. didn't think it was enough it, considering he's never mentioned again exactly yeah i mean if you're going you can go back to it maybe and i know that he has that moment with leia towards the end or his doppelganger does uh, but i mean it would have been nice to have a little bit of a reaction there on screen hearing his best friend dies uh seeing that's Chewie's there uh, I know having R2 be on Octu uh, with Luke and Ray was something that Ryan Johnson requested. I know JJ Abrams initially had BB 8 going with them. Oh. Uh, but he wanted to have R2 there so that Luke would be able to have that moment on the Falcon with R2. And I think that having an, the additional reunion of Luke with Han was important. Luke and, and hey. Han, Luke and Leia, and Luke and R2. Were the three big reunions that would have been great to see. Right. And we really only got one and a half of those. And weirdly, this old retired hermited Jedi who lives by himself in this isolated planet remembers the droid he used to own. I haven't gone by the name of Obi-Wan since all before you were born. Well, then the droid does belong to you. Don't seem to remember ever owning a droid? imagine that Hmm, maybe we'll come back to that later we can come back to that one I have some context for you on that one all right cool okay so there's another scene right here where BB-8 records Ray saying goodbye to Finn okay and plays it for Finn when he wakes up um, knowing that he's now alive that's kind of cute it is kind of cute yeah Uh, and the best part being actually Finn's response that it's a little creepy that he recorded that (laughs) (laughs) that was kind of weird that you recorded that but thank you <laughs> <laughs> and it's true. Why in the world would you've recorded that to play a little uh, sort of a, a Ray Leia retrospective? I mean, we have—that's exactly what it is. That's yeah, entirely what it is. Uh, but in terms of of that relationship, we have lots of time to explore Finn and Ray down the road. But just really quick, is there something there? Nobody's talking about it anymore. No, I know. Everybody's switched over to Ray and Kylo, or ray and poe although i don't think that's well ray and kylo have some of the best on-screen chemistry in any star wars movie absolutely those two actors of incredibly course. so and finn just by default kind of uh, falls into rose's I arms i hate that but he well so does he, he doesn't like rose that much he doesn't like her that he has, much. He has kind of developed an affection as a friend for her mm-hmm. but she is mega in the friend zone from what i saw and yeah. he is still hardcore into ray he's crazy about ray that's what that's what I'm seeing. That's not the way people are talking about it, but that's he the way I see it. Could suddenly realize in the next movie he's her brother. Now that would be a twist. Jeez. That'd be a twist that never before seen in cinema. That's right. Again. Actually, well, I think there's another reason why that would be a twist too. Because of him being black. Well, it's... Well, no, I meant the fact that he doesn't use a British accent. Oh, Um, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. A different kind of cultural thing. Um, Just kind of quickly breezing through a few more. uh, The caretakers, they kind of size up Ray and give her a dirty look in another one of the scenes. We already know that they hated Ray, so it's not really a big deal. Whatever. We Uh, saw enough of them. There's an extended fathier chase. uh, Really? Which is unbelievable that they thought... For some way, shape, or form, that we needed more of that. Mm-hmm. Clarify what that is. Uh, so the Fathiers were the kind of dog slash rabbit slash horse creatures uh, that were in on the, the last Jedi yeah. the, on um, on Canto Biden. Yeah, uh, yeah. So no, that was kind of cool. It, it didn't. I, my only problem with that chase is it didn't feel remotely Star Warsy. No, uh, Collider, uh, the Collider Jedi Council. They made a really good point on there when they were talking about it. Was how it seemed very Harry Potter. That's exactly what it was. The fact that yep. were so Harry Potter, and all of Canto Bite was. It was like Gringotts with like some form of, oh, we're going to go leave the school for a little bit and save yep. these weird animals yep. that were never in any other part of the story and won't be in it ever again. It's Donald Trump Gringotts. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah, that's very astute. Yeah, and so I thought that was a really good point. Uh, uh, there's another scene where... DJ, Rose, and Finn are on an elevator with a handful of stormtroopers. Right. And one of the stormtroopers recognizes Finn. Mm-hmm. So he recognizes Finn as That's somebody weird. he trained with. That's unlikely. Uh, it's, I think it's actually fairly likely someone no, who worked there. Well, we've talked about this before, you and I separately. Like, how many stormtroopers are there? There's a million stormtroopers. You don't just run into somebody you know. I mean, you do run into people you know in Star Wars all the time, like because the Force kind of makes that happen. But it's not in this case. Yeah, I guess so. And it's not necessarily Starkiller Base anymore. So right, yeah, that's a good point. You that are, that that is fair. But anyway, s- intergalactically elsewhere, and you run into your old buddy. So this is Tom Hardy. Oh yeah. Uh, so this is Tom Hardy, and he recognizes him, and he slips into after realizing. Like, wait a minute i didn't wouldn't have pegged you for captain material he slips into this weird southern accent and gives him a pat on the butt it is so weird i am so happy they got this scene that's so funny but somebody had to write it it's not like it's, it's tom hardy's fault it's a ter- no it's not tom hardy's fault but it's a terrible scene it's so it's just not funny it's so weird there's a good little bit of tension there when you think like he's like wait a minute i know who you are why aren't you dressed like a stormtrooper mm-hmm. When did you get the promotion? This is sort of weird. And you can see a little bit of tension and Rose reaches for her blaster and her DJ told her not to. Um... That's tense. And then he, when he breaks into this weird like yee-haw sort of voice and gives him a slap <laughs> on the butt, it's just so weird. It's, it takes it completely out of Star Wars. And then by virtue of having to cut Tom Hardy, they had to cut Princess well, William and Harry too. Exactly. So I'm not entirely sure if this is where they are, but I know that they got cut because they were also too tall to be stormtroopers. Yeah. And there are two stormtroopers that are way too tall standing behind Tom Hardy. Okay. And uh, I've j- I just two and two together. I know that they got left on the cutting room floor, that they're in one of the deleted scenes. Uh, and that is a prominent one. So I, I, ju- I just assume it's these two because these guys are at least three inches taller than every other stormtrooper out there. Otherwise, Lucasfilm would have proudly come out and told us by now who they were in the movie. Yeah, I would assume so, and would maybe know. they maybe they have. I just I haven't seen that confirmation yet that those two are Harry and William. Is this a tradition they should keep up the way they started it with with Daniel Craig? Just put any old uh, uh, movie star who wants a nondescript Star Wars cameo in a stormtrooper costume for the rest of of Star Wars future history. I don't have anything against it. No, it's fun. Nah, I Little mean, Easter eggs, exactly. If you're someone who loves Star Wars so much and you want to go spend a day on set. Cool. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Apparently, Ryan Johnson was super eager to help, like make sure that anybody who possibly had like a friend or family member that wanted to come on set or a celebrity wanted to come on set, and he made it sure that anyone who could be part of the experience was. So I think that's great, and I think more, I think JJ sh- will will probably keep that up. I mean, he stuck Simon Pegg and unklar plots right, like, right, right, flabby sort of costume. I mean, you don't necessarily even if they only have a few lines. Uh, it can be something that a Star Wars nerd is going to lose their mind over in excitement. Ryan Johnson has gotten to work on his uh, trilogy. Yes, he has. We don't really know anything more, but it has kind of taken some development now. Yep. So he's started underway. I mean, I think f- the most likely scenario is that he has... He's just kind of getting some... Like building out his team probably a little bit. Right. Or, or maybe he's got a first draft of a script, but... Um, I think I th- a few months ago he was just talking about how he was the version before the version before the version before the version being ready. But uh, one other deleted scene is actually one of the longest ones, and it's the third lesson. So a lot of people complained about Luke saying he was going to give Ray three lessons and he only gave her two. Yeah, that is an issue. Yeah, that is an issue. They yeah. cu- well, they cut out the third one, and the third one was... Um, Ray's noticing that there being commotion going on on the other side of Octu, and Luke telling her that it's pirates, and that every once a month pirates come and they raid the caretakers' home. Um, and if she were to intervene, then that's great this time, but the caretakers uh, will, like, the pirates will come back and they will wipe out the caretakers yeah. if there's anything that Ray tries to do to stop the situation. She'll make it worse by intervening. It's a tribe from a neighboring island come here once a month to raid and plunder the caretaker's village come on we've got to stop them do you know what a true jedi knight would do right now nothing uh, and luke tells her it's not the jedi way to do this but this is where we get that scene of ray running with the lightsaber that was in all the promotion materials but wasn't oh. actually in the movie yeah and so she runs she actually does kind of like a force run so she's like extra fast and she sprints across the island Uh, and goes to rescue the caretakers when she realizes that it's them throwing a party. Oh. Yeah, and so Luke just did it to test her or do the final sort of trial, and it was a trick, and he makes fun of her a little bit. And she failed. Well, she failed, but at the same time, she failed it from Luke's perspective. Is that necessarily the right kind of Jedi? Right, it's an ethical dilemma. It is an ethical dilemma. It's one where we're not going to get into what the right decision is in that scenario. No. But maybe the New Jedi way uh, and the way that Rey is going to bring it back, maybe that's the right thing to do. Maybe the right thing to do isn't to necessarily stick to what on paper seems like the, the logical way and how it's not intervening in the natural course of selection. And yeah, it's following your heart. Yeah, but it's exactly, it's following what you believe is just and important and the right thing to do in that scenario. Right. And that kind of, from a different point of view or from a certain point of view, uh, is the is the actual Jedi way, you could argue. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that's good. I think it I think it was a necessary scene. I know you don't want to make the movie longer, but I would shave off any more of Canto Bite to have kind of that kind of nail in the coffin of this is just that final piece of holy shit, Luke's gotten cynical. Yeah, to have more Luke time. Yeah, more Luke time just to really cement, and I know people don't like the cynicism, but I think it's necessary and it if is. you're gonna go down that route, then commit to it. Right. So that was, the, that was the final sort of scene that was missed. Uh, and I think it would have been a good one. Uh, from the vibe and from the shots of scene, it was it's very similar to the end of Return of the Jedi. Right. And being sort of like that Ewok party where everybody's happening. A little corny. A little corny, sure. but I think in the sense that it's not all celebratory and yeah. it's a mating ritual, that it's not so bad. Solo character posters. Solo character posters, International yeah. posters just released without any guns deliberately in them as some kind of political statement, I assume yeah i I don't agree with this one okay uh purely on the basis of it's star wars it's war wars right in the title there's going to be guns yep blasters are clumsy uh and so uncivilized but let's face it it's a part of star wars and that classic shot where han is reaching out like the one that they replaced it where he's reaching out with his blaster and shooting like that is a classic han pose it's the han pose it is the han pose and the one that they replaced it with—it's like he's reaching for like a lasso or something. It's—they yeah. changed his arm position, and, and Lando's just like got his arm underneath his cloak, even though it's clearly that there's still supposed to be a gun there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Amelia Clark one works. Yeah, uh, Chewie's literally still wearing his band bandoliers, mm-hmm. but he doesn't have his machine gun. Right, which makes like—you're <laughs> not removing the gun imagery. It's funny you mentioned Lasso, though, because does it seem to you like the color choices? Completely Western. Yeah, they're made to look deliberately Western, aren't they? Yeah, Lando is super futuristic. Uh, whereas I feel the other three are very very Western. Yeah, uh, but even futuristic Western Well, just it still fits like the style the a leather time. vest and a pistol these yeah. things are, are Han characters But also Han is a cowboy. Yeah he Like is. You, you really you're wrong to say that Star Wars is a sci-fi just because it it seems science mm-hmm. It's more of a Western than anything else. Well, it's space opera space Western mm-hmm. sci-fi fantasy I don't, I don't think it is sci-fi because sci-fi oh. is allegorical and it warns you of where you're going on Earth. Mm. I think I think sci-fi is is uh, definitively cautionary. I think that's what makes. Well, makes you would know more about the definite, like the actual definitions of what Star Wars is just Creates a romp a category. Well, that's definitely true, and I think that's why how seriously certain people take it can sometimes be a little over the top. Of course, it is. Uh, I got one more sort of note. Uh, okay. So, Forces of Destiny. I don't know if you have ever watched any of those, but no. they're the little cartoons. Uh, That are done and they're apparently only little three minute episodes. I didn't realize this. Yeah, they're incredibly digestible So they're so so short Uh, and season two just came out. Uh, Mark Hamill does the voice of Luke Mm -hmm. uh, a Luke lesson on Dagobah So I'm gonna have to kind of dive through and fly through all of those I didn't realize and it's nice because they have the actual voices Yeah, so they have anyone who's from rebels the Clone Wars or the sequels so if you were in one of those Uh, Then they've done their actual voices on here, minus Leia and Han. Is the artwork similar to uh, Rebels? and and No, it is straight up cartoon. Okay. So it's the closest to the Clone Wars movie. um, Nope, the Clone Wars TV show, the cartoon one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the the animated film or TV show. Okay. Uh, So it's kind of the only like its style because it's even cleaner than that. Um, it's very tr- it's aimed for children. But you've got Mark Hamill playing Empire Strikes Back era Luke Skywalker. Yes It's kind cool. It is so clearly not the same voice. No kidding. <laughs> His voice has aged Tremendously. It <laughs> drops, right? Yeah, he it had really, a really voice has back then. Concentrate you must uh, I Was concentrating for a moment I could see a path through the trees and then and then I well I didn't want you to miss it. Yeah, so it was very noticeable, just because that was the one, uh, the one snippet that I watched. Uh, but other than that, no. Did you see the gif of Laura Dern uh, firing a blaster and unable not to say "pew pew" with her mouth when she would shoot it? No, but I've heard. Yeah. I did hear her interviewed and saying, and that's what apparently uh, there's she a gif. Had to it, do you it. can very clearly see her lips doing "pew pew pew" whenever she'd shoot her gun. That's amazing. It is kind of cool. Well, is it uh, you and McGregor had that issue with doing lightsaber sounds? Yes. And, yeah. Yes. That's great. I know. He might have to overcome that. He may need to overcome that again. Hey, speaking of you and McGregor, we uh, were just introduced to a little someone we like to call Ben Kenobi. That's right. Hello there. <whistles> Come here, my little friend. Don't be afraid. Oh, don't worry. He'll be all right. How did you? How did you like twenty through forty? It was interesting. Yeah. It was a lot faster. Uh, I shouldn't say a lot faster paced, uh, because the first one was kind of jumping all over the place in terms of different pacing. You're right, though. This one was almost entirely set on, on Tatooine. Just save one quick little, like, board meeting at the Empire. Yep. Uh, which was corny, and we can talk about that. But, like, a lot of this is Luke-centric, which made it a little bit easier to follow. It yeah. covered a lot of ground and gave you a lot of backstory without having to shoot all over the place. That was good, exactly. It, it was felt like more like a story, yes. and less like it was setting things up. Right. It started to kind of really get the flow going, so that was nice. Right. Uh, what were some of the little pieces of dialogue you liked throughout this next 20? Okay, well, there's there's lots of really good quotes. There um, are tons. I watched it twice. I did, too. one thing I didn't notice... The first time is that we get the first Obi-Wan Kenobi hello there. Yes, we do. It's the first thing he says. Yeah. I didn't really realize that. I kind of thought it was just a meme from Ewan McGregor, Obi-Wan Kenobi. No. Hello there. So is <laughs> it a thing that he's known for saying a lot? Uh, he says it a few times. Uh, I don't think that those are the only two. I think he says it at least a couple times in the Clone Wars. A lot of the really great quotes from from the second 20-minute segment of A New Hope are almost like long monologues. There are, absolutely. So I don't have them all written down uh, specifically, but Obi-Wan Kenobi, I wonder if he means old Ben Kenobi. Uh, And he kind of keeps talking and talking and talking because so much of it is just Luke talking to himself or to the droids. Mm -hmm. Uh, No, I don't think he likes you. I don't like you either. Yeah, I have that here as well. That's 3PO saying it to R2. That's kind of funny. Yeah, that one reminded me a lot of you and I as well. Oh, God. This is just going to be an ongoing thing. I have to be 3PO for the rest of this podcast? Yes, you do. All right. I called dibs an R2 so early on that it worked well. <laughs> uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Now, that's a name I have not heard in a long time. Yes, a that is a long time. That is a great one. I also have on here Owen's comment about Ben Kenobi. That wizard's just a crazy old man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's some inconsistencies with, with how uh, Owen, Owen Lars... Is that his name? I'm really spaced mm-hmm. out tonight. How Owen Lars... Represents and misrepresents Obi-Wan Kenobi like in that conversation. He says no He died about the same time as your father which Luke will then later realize is a lie Although he doesn't really question it like oh my uncle said that now. That's true. Good point you died Well, Obi-Wan's a straight-up liar Dude lies through his teeth this section he lies by omission. Yeah, oh, that's true He is very careful about the way he says things. Yes, he is um, Well, actually we can get to that right now and term- say Vader seduced and murdered your father is a lie I mean, you could say symbolically the, the evil spirit that is Darth Vader uh, is the reason Anakin Skywalker isn't here anymore. So by that language, it's murder. But it's not murder. It's all from a certain point of view. Yeah. And that's really the way that he phrases things. And even when going back to Obi-Wan saying, I don't remember owning a droid. Okay. Because he didn't. That was Anakin's droid or Padme's droid. Or Captain Antilles droid or it, Bail Organa. It was never Obi-Wan's but droid. But he remembers R2. He has to. He acts like he doesn't. Right. And obviously, at the time, that was the what they were going for. Um, but to kind of fix up and patch up the continuity issues there, uh, in the novelization, the recent novelization of A New Hope, uh, the princess, the scoundrel, and the farm boy, uh, in that, that's their, what it's called? It's called A New Hope, The Princess, The Scoundrel, and The Farm Boy. But hasn't there already been a novelization of A New Hope? This is an, uh, this is a newer novelization. Oh. So it was a novelization just a couple of years ago, okay. uh, and it does have in it as a subtle sort of scene where Obi-Wan rubs R2's head aboard the Millennium Falcon and says, it's nice to fly with you again, old friend. Okay. Uh, So they do try and patch that up a little bit. uh, But him not recognizing R2 or 3PO, it was a clear mistake at the time. And it's one of the ones that's the most talked about as being something that was never really addressed. Yeah. But Obi-Wan lies so much. Right. At the start that I'm not going to take that as anything other than... Okay, oh well. R2 was lying to Luke a second ago. 3PO doesn't know what's going on because his mind was wiped. Mm-hmm. And Obi-Wan is picking and choosing his words so, so, so carefully at this point that having him say like, oh, R2, my old buddy and all these times that we had together because you were, you, my apprentice was who your master was, was Luke's father. Right. We're well, not going to get into that right now. We already can tell that. And let's face it, George didn't know that. No, of course he didn't know Although that. Although I did find something Owen Lars said kind of striking because we're led to believe that the fact that Vader is Luke's father wasn't even on the table in the making of this movie. That they decided that much later because it would be a cool twist. But Owen Lars says something interesting when uh, Luke runs off, kind of pissed off about having to work at the farm for another summer and Baru says he's got too much of his father in him. Luke's just not a farmer, Owen. He has too much of his father in him. That's what I'm afraid of. And Owen says, that's what I'm afraid of. Now, he doesn't know anything about Anakin Skywalker other than that he's kind of a rebel Mm -hmm. and kind of emotionally distraught. Yeah. But he, does he know that he's Vader? Well, he He implies that he knows he's Vader. Well, he may. Obi-Wan handed Luke over as an infant. Yes, but what I'm saying is how did George Lucas write those lines before he himself knew that Vader was going to be Luke's dad. I don't think it really matters because he knew that Anakin was going to be someone who was a Jedi. Okay. At that point. And so whether or not that means that he's going out and seeking trouble, like Anakin actually did, whether it was with the Tusken Raiders or, you know, becoming Darth Vader. Right. (laughs) But Anakin still found trouble as a Jedi in the sense of that's a much different life from being a moisture farmer. I like how, uh, Ben Kenobi is super judgmental of Owen Lars for not letting Luke, as even younger than he is in this movie, own a lightsaber. Your (laughs) uncle didn't want you to have this incredibly dangerous weapon that I haven't given you any heads up about. No. (laughs) And not like, don't, you know, this could easily cut off any of your limbs. Almost decapitates 3PO. Yep like it gives him no warning he doesn't even say by the way don't touch that really bright thing he just as well might have (laughs) yeah exactly i mean that is the first time we see a lightsaber we don't know what it can do or how incredibly powerful it is and what it can cut through i have a couple more quotes i do too uh first of all the whole description of what lightsabers are and what the force is yeah the force is what gives the jedi his power it's an energy field created by all living things it surrounds us and penetrates us. It binds the galaxy together. Does the introduction of midi-calorians really negate how Obi-Wan describes what the Force is as an energy field? Not at all, in my opinion. I don't opinion. think so either. I think it blends really well with what The Last Jedi did. I think The Last Jedi took what was described by Obi-Wan here, it took the concept that midi-calorians were canon and existed, mm-hmm. and then described the Force again. Yeah. And I thought that it's the movie that easily goes into the force the deepest yeah in terms of what the force is and explaining it and i think ryan johnson by doing that because he explains the force better than most (laughs) in terms of going into detail well, then give him the credit and allow him to cr- use these things that have existed somewhere in the Star Wars world before. Yeah, bridge uh, the gap a little bit. Exactly. I mean, there's nothing wrong with him kind of filling in the edges just because it wasn't initially the way George Lucas had it done. Uh, George Lucas didn't really have it figured out at this point. You can see the fact that he came up with mini Chlorians and he came up with this description by Obi-Wan right here. Right. So, it worked have, for him it works for him the fact that those two can live kind of together mm-hmm. uh, and i think i think that's fine i mean having something within you that allows you to be receptive to the force that surrounds us and binds us together i, I it's kind of the way i view it in terms of midi-chlorians is almost being receivers mm. like your ability to tap into what's around you everybody can tap into it but midi-chlorians exist so we have to find a way to make sense of them somehow another quote i like Of course I know him. He's me. Yes, that is a good one. I think that's a fun quote. And then there's a major Darth Vader quote. Well, there's the major Darth Vader quote, but... uh, Oh, he's not dead. Not yet.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's That's a good one, That's a great quote.
0: Yeah, it's just a bunch of fun little Obi-Wan dialogue. Yeah, not as clumsy or random as a blaster, an elegant weapon for a more civilized age. Yep. For a thousand generations, the Obi-Wan speech, like you mentioned. Um, And I find your lack of faith disturbing. Yes, I find your lack of faith disturbing. And also the the quote, um, don't try to fight in us with your sorcerer's ways, Lord Vader. Well, That's, that's a great one as well. <laughs> no, see, I totally disagree. That was where I listed that one under, this needs to go back to the drawing board. That whole beratement of Darth Vader before he says, I find your lack of faith disturbing while he's choking the guy, is the worst dialogue in the entire movie, probably. Oh, it's terrible dialogue. Uh, it's But atrocious. it is so funny, and it is so It sad hasn't given Wars. you clairvoyance enough to find the rebel. Who talks like this? Well, this guy's an idiot. Yes. Because have you not figured out who Darth Vader is? Right. But it is such a funny line. Like, the gall that this guy has to be able to say that to Darth Vader. I found that very confusing as a kid. I was like, isn't Vader the boss? Yeah. Which he's not, really. Well... He's not technically their boss, but like a wire. He's the boss. <laughs> but he's run in this show. He he kills them at his will. Yes. He's the boss. Yeah, exactly. Empire <laughs> Empire Strikes Back, that whole series where he goes through so many different officers where he just kills them because they disappoint him. Right. That's hilarious. That's a great little underplot that goes along through that movie. There is a lot of Stuff involving the Empire in that one scene we get with them, and then there's like one little teaser towards the end where they go into Leia's jail cell and they they torture her. Yeah, and that's the uh, the end of the 20s after right, that's where uh, we, after we finished it. Um, but that first like board room scene where mm-hmm. we are introduced to Tarkin and those other kind of elite generals. Um, there's a lot wrong with that. Uh, costume is a big part of it. And we talked about the issues with Vader's costume last week. Mm-hmm. Just like the little chiclet packs on mm-hmm. their chests to be like buttons or imperial badges, military. The chick- uh, it's, it's amazing that it, it could not be more obviously gum. It's so corny. <laughs> it's so corny. Uh, there are a lot of little corny parts and things that weren't exactly... Draw- Back to the drawing board sort of moments. They definitely were. Um, a young Jedi named Darth Vader. A young Jedi named Darth Vader, who was a pupil of mine until he turned to evil, helped the Empire hunt down and destroy the Jedi Knights. I thought that was one thing that was interesting that Obi-Wan mentioned, I know in terms of along his great speech. Yeah. A young Jedi named Darth Vader. Because I know at the start, uh, Darth Vader was not initial initially meant to be Darth Vader in that Darth was his title and that... Vader was his name yes it was Darth Vader it was the dark invader right it was just what they were going with they didn't realize the fact until later on that they would separate it and make Darth Maul and Darth Sidious and all these other Darth's yes uh, but a young Jedi named Darth Vader but it's not wrong to say mm. to say a, a young a young uh, doctor named Dr. McCarthy like well, it's his title but it's it's okay to say that yeah but in this instance he's telling the story of how he turns Right. And so he would not have turned. Like he, mm. he you become Darth when you join the dark side. You're never a Jedi Darth. A young but, Jedi named Darth Vader. But by the time he fought Obi-Wan on watch him call it fire planet, and Mustafar. Mustafar. <laughs> You're having an off night, yeah. I know, I'm sorry. I'm really tired. Sorry. Right. On Mustafar, uh he was technically Darth Vader. yeah, he was the the evil spirit of Darth Vader costume or no costume. And he oh, yeah, was definitely. a young Jedi still. No, he wasn't. He was a Sith. He, okay, but now we're now we're splitting hairs. yeah, I know but in this instance in the original trilogy, he has been such a- he had been a a Jedi for his yeah. entire career with the force. That's how Obi-wan knew him. He, this this new evil version of the Jedi friend he had calling himself darth vader showed up yeah it still seems like a, a poor way of describing and i know he's still trying to hide the fact that he couldn't say a young jedi named anakin no not anakin your father a different guy luke right uh but i thought he refers to him as vader in the next line yeah why not just refer to him as vader in both lines i guess feels a little semantical to me it was one that bothered me there's one other thing that really doesn't hold up over time oh what was that sand people all of it? You mean the, how racist it is? Yeah, the term "sand people" sounds. I mean, and I, they, I know they come up with Tuscan Raiders later. Is that a prequel term, or is that said in the original trilogy? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I can't tell off the top of my head it, whether it's said or not. It was uh, definitely that's got to be older than um, than the prequels. Probably, but the, they, the lore expanded out before the prequels. They likely. only ever said "sand people" in this twenty, and they said it a lot. And I didn't care for it. No, <laughs> it doesn't sound right. No, it definitely, and the way they talk about them, and the fact that their language is so savage, yeah, uh, and it's 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 they're very very primitive, yeah, and they run away because Obi Wan does this weird like howly thing that is super out of character, man. That's my use the force, damn it! Use the force, damn it! You scare away the Tusken Raiders by howling, Ooh. and why does that work? You can I have just, no like, idea why can, that like, works. You can like send like a weird like blast down at them. You can make the earth shake. I don't know what you can do. I know you're not the world's best Jedi, but like. You just like make a ghoul noise. <laughs> Somehow that worked, but that's okay. I don't know. Obi Wan has been rusty with the force, probably in this case. So you make a ghoul noise. I still think it's a tear. I I'm not gonna argue with that. That is my one. Use the force, damn it! Yeah. Introducing a new segment called "Use the Force, Damn It." Use the Force, Damn. It. <laughs> Did you have one? Uh, when it comes to use the Force, Damn It, uh, I had mostly just that. We don't see it necessarily on screen. I'm sure that there is context yet. I haven't gotten to it in the book from a certain point of view yet, so it wouldn't blow my mind if there was explanation. Okay. Uh, and you can definitely go off of the concept that oh, Leia would be able Leia was too powerful with the Force for Vader to be able to read her mind to be able to get the information of the rebels. Mhm. But they don't bring it up in context here. And I don't know why Vader has resorted to drugging her before trying to use a Jedi fucking mind trick on her. Yeah. If Kylo Ren goes to that right away, Vader should be able to do that. But now I don't know why that that's Is he drugging so her? Is he just gonna needle her? Because mm-hmm. like that's it's similar, it's very similar to how they torture Rey in The Force Awakens, but it's it's is it distinctly like some kind of medical? procedure or are they just gonna drill a needle into her head until she gives up i don't think that's it (laughs) oh it's interesting like i genuinely perceived it that way oh maybe that is the approach uh there i'm sure there's context on it specifically i'm sure it says whether that's like what that little weird droid robot does Always, always i always viewed it as they were drugging her though right yeah well, that's okay. interesting. One we'll have to go back and see that. I know that there was one uh, thing we didn't know that we chatted about last time that I found some intel on. Uh, the Jawas were played by uh, children, little people, and the, other adults. They were, yeah, interesting. So they were not puppets. No, uh, and I guess I knew they weren't puppets per se, but there's just something weird about them. Yeah, there's definitely something weird about that's them. Very, very odd. Well what about everybody else who's in the background? I mean, we've talked a little bit about the I mean Tarkin's minions sitting around the round table. The guy with the weird bowl haircut. Oh big yes. nose. Uh weird bull haircut. What's his name? Um Toggy or something. Okay. Yeah, Commander Toggy, I think his I think his name I'll is. I'll take your word for it. Yeah, he's uh he he uh, he uh he's one of the only characters that actually has clued into the fact that the Death Star is impregnant. Like you can, you can fuck the Death Star up. Yeah, it, the Death Star is not something that is just impenetrable. It has weaknesses. I and mean, he says it's unlikely that it has weaknesses, but that they should be cognizant of that. Right. Uh, and I think it's interesting that he's getting completely reamed out by people. It's because he's so lame. and He's got a weird haircut. Well, and he's you also want people to take seriously the guy who then gets in an argument with Vader as well. Right. You want people to take you seriously? You got to get better haircuts. <laughs> Seriously, that's just a rule for life, not well, just in Star Wars. Well, I think that's why they do it to the Padawans. They want them to feel inferior to the Jedi Masters. Yes. So they make them have that ridiculous haircut with the, that stupid braid. The rat tail thing. Oh, frigg, that was such a bad prequel edition. That's gotta be it. Yeah, this was actually kind of cool in terms of taking the um the point of view from a certain point of view. I thought that was interesting because we were chatting both kind of the background characters and how they may be impacted by a scene like this. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what the book from a certain point of view is doing. Uh, And that's what was really cool. Like there was another, I got through a couple of the little uh, vignettes uh, in part of the book. And another one was the stormtrooper that shoots Leia. Okay. Uh, And zaps her and freezes her. Uh, And how that stormtrooper was, he just made Vader's fist. So Vader's fist is the 501st Legion. It's his battalion of personal stormtroopers. Okay. Uh, And so he just made Vader's fist and he's super excited. And so he's been sent out to look and... Find any uh, other members of the crew and kill them, and passengers uh, bring them alive. Uh, and then he finds Leia, and he's like, "Oh wow, uh, oh, but she's she's just this kid." She's and then Leia shoots one of the stormtroopers, yeah. and he's like, "Oh shit, she's a kid, but she's still someone. She's still a rebel." Yeah, uh, so and he then stuns and her. then he stuns her uh, and brings her into Vader as well. But it was kind of interesting. It's this like. He's this clearly young guy, not much older than Leia, and he's having these sort of like inner com- He's having this inner conflict about being a stormtrooper, mm-hmm. knowing that the Empire is the right way, but seeing it as still a face-to-face kill and not something that he would want to do ever again. And right. at the very end, he actually asks uh, to be sent down to Tatooine to be removed from Vader's fist and to be an on-the-ground stormtrooper. That's be- amazing because he can't deal with the face-to-face killings. Okay, so in the—and it's interesting you mentioned, like, stormtroopers who have have a a conscience, because I wanted to bring this up as well. Uh, The opening scene of The Force Awakens, it's the first time we actually see stormtroopers come in and be menacing. Like, there's Mm -hmm. all this talk about how—and there was talk in this 20 by Ben Kenobi about how their blaster shots are so precise. I know, I wrote that down as well, and how that was—that could not be more— F- farther from the truth, because, because stormtroopers suck the un- with the blast. The understanding <laughs> is they're so bumbling, especially in those prequels. But in the beginning of The Force Awakens, they're a menace. And they come into Jakku, they come into that camp, and they light the place up. They do. And we're made privy to Finn's uh ethical dilemma, moral complex that he's struggling with. He's the only one brave enough to overcome and actually secede away from the stormtroopers. But presumably, in the millions of Mm -hmm. stormtroopers, there are others out there with a guilty conscience. Oh, there have to be. So, how did the guys feel when they got told, you gotta go into the Lars farm and and murder those people? That's gonna be interesting. Because we didn't see it in this movie. that's true. We don't see the stormtroopers themselves. We We didn't see it in this movie. They just show up and the, it's I think it's the most graphic image in any Star Wars movie. You see their charred skeletons outside the house. Probably has to be. I think it probably is. Uh, oh, that and um, the bloody arm in the cantina. From yeah, Obi-Wan. but that's pretty corny. It's pretty corny, but it's one of the only times we see so much blood. In Star I Wars. don't. As a person who gets kind of queasy, I don't find it nearly as troubling as the charred skeletons of these characters. Oh, I agree. who raised Luke? Yeah, that's. It's definitely more disturbing. Yeah, it's really crazy. Yeah, because they're charred like right next to each other too, aren't they? Yes. Yeah. It like they knew what was happening. It's not a scene we saw, but it was horrific. Yeah. Yeah, It really is a disturbing one. And like I wonder, and there's also of course the um, the theory of Boba Fett doing it. He went in and killed the Larses. Yeah. Really? Yeah. You don't know about the theory? No. Well, there's the theory that Boba Fett did it because uh, in Empire Strikes Back, Vader says to Boba Fett, "And no incinerations." Oh. Stop burning people alive. Stop lighting things on fire. Interesting. I didn't say that two parts in the end, but implying that. And And people people have tied together that because Luke's home got torched. And And he he... does spend some time on Tatooine. Exactly. Mm. So maybe because Boba Fett was Vader's go-to bounty hunter generally. Oh, that definitely happened. Yeah, it was actually him as opposed to Stormtroopers. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Now, I'm pretty sure somewhere in canon it says it's the Stormtroopers that do it. I could be wrong. Okay, uh, that theory I think was put to bed, and it was proven to be stormtroopers. I could be wrong, um, and maybe the Boba Fett theory still lives on. On in a which lighter, case, it's a cool one. On a lighter note, I can appreciate that a planet like Tatooine would need moisture farming. That's mm-hmm. kind of a cool concept that Makes they sense. actually yeah. that they actually dig the moisture out of the earth, and because it's such a valuable and rare resource on a desert planet like Tatooine, but. How is there a harvest season for Moisture? And if these new droids do work out, I want to transmit my application to the Academy this year. You mean the next semester before the harvest? Sure, there's more than enough droids. Harvest is when I need you the most. It's only one season more. This year we'll make enough on the harvest that I'll be able to hire some more hands and then you can go to the Academy next year. Fair point. What does that mean? I have no idea. Because he, he does say next season is harvest season. You can go to the Academy after that. Yeah. Uh, that's actually one of the other things that I had in, in, in our kind of take backs uh, was that Luke wants to go to the Academy and then five minutes later says how much he hates the Empire. Yeah. And this is before his parents, or sorry, his aunt and uncle are lit on fire. That's so true. So the Academy is run by the Empire. It's yeah. government. Yeah. And so it's, it also kind of ties back to Solo. Uh, in that the trailer we've seen it looks like Han is enlisting Mm. but it could be I I think I think that that's just going to be a ploy Mm -hmm. so it shows how uh, when he's doing kind of his the the narration about uh, being kicked out of the academy for having a mind of my own right and it looks like maybe he's registering I think that's going to be end up being part of the um the big heist they do okay the big scene and that he's he's faking it for that imperial guard I just I get that kind of vibe from the shot. I could be wrong. Maybe that is him actually enlisting. There's just, uh, but clearly Han's been in the academy. He has been in the Imperial yeah, Academy. Yeah. There's just not quite enough background on Luke's experience as a pilot. Like Ben says to him at one point, I understand you've become a pretty good pilot yourself. And like, how much time has he spent flying around? I don't. Well, you know, one thing that as I've never even really thought of is maybe Luke pod races. Maybe, and I know it's not really a human thing, but Anakin broke the, the barriers in terms of that, um, and I know he generally uses a speeder, or maybe pod racing isn't, I know obviously it wasn't thought of at this point, but he has to have built some sort of notoriety, and I'm assuming it's not just from shooting Womp Rats. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, but like Biggs, for example, in the deleted scene from A New Hope, um, goes on, and I, I think he even mentions, I, I haven't seen the deleted scenes in a long time, Um but saying how he, I think he talks he talks up Luke about how good of a pilot he is. yeah. So if no, he, that's in the regular movie. Uh, I think there's a I think there's a second scene of even like on Tatooine. Yeah. Like a really early one as well, uh, with his big old porn stash. Do you have a moment in this twenty, this second twenty minute segment of A New Hope that kind of stands out to you as a little bit uh, nostalgic, or it just kind of seems special to you for no particular reason? For no particular reason, no. Uh, I thought that because there was was like three huge moments that were like quintessential Star Wars moments, Luke getting his lightsaber, uh, the binary sunset, Mm -hmm. and of course, um, then Luke finding his home torch, his childhood home just completely torched. Those those are all really melancholy. I mean, not having a lightsaber, but yeah, those were the three moments that really stood out to me, especially the the binary sunset. And he looked so young in that. Mm. Uh, And it's one of the big three shots um, that have been... It's a beautiful shot. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the three Luke shots that we see memed out since The Last Jedi ended with the three binary sunsets. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's yeah, it's phenomenal. For me, it's I'm pretty, shot. the only thing I could come up with was I'm pretty sure this was where I learned the word hermit. Old Ben lives out beyond the Dune Sea. He's kind of a strange old hermit. I don't think I'd heard the word hermit anywhere else. Definitely true. I think, and I was like, I asked Dad, like, "What's a hermit?" Oh, it's a person who lives by himself and doesn't want to talk to people. There's no way I adab- there's no way I th- I knew what hermit was before I saw this movie. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure for a long time, old Ben Kenobi was my only archetype for what a hermit was. I thought it was very specific. Yeah, no, <laughs> I completely agree. I, that is something that if you reference what a hermit was, I would just immediately think of crazy ben okay see if you can stump me with your trivia question for this week because i'm pretty sure you'll be able to figure mine out i don't think you'll get mine and if you do i will be so damn impressed with how like astute you were in catching that okay my brain's a little slow tonight anyway so okay so uh what region of tatooine did luke find r2 after he ran away oh my god uh i i I have no idea i don't i don't know the Jundland wastes the what (laughs) That's right. It just sounded like a slur out of my mouth. Yeah, it did. The Jundland Wastes. Jundland Wastes. Yep. It's a slur in the movie, too. Yeah. When Obi-Wan says, we need to get like the, uh, the Jundland places, uh, Wastes or No Place to Be or something like that. Okay. Um, I can hear him saying it, maybe. But he, I had to clearly look up the, de- the, the spelling because he, m- he mumbles it as well. <laughs> really? Yeah. All right. One for you. What does Luke think his father used to do for a living? uh luke thought that his father was um a spice freighter pilot yeah close he was a navigator navigator on a, on a spice a freighter yeah yeah another one about spice spice is very very important on tatooine apparently well spice is the number one is like the, it's the main trading commodity it's the one that's always referenced like cumin like all spice uh in in the star wars galaxy drugs are also spice oh yeah so you like like hallucinogens those are spice and things like that so i think when it comes to the black market side of things they can talk about spice and be implying drugs right and then the legit side of things spice they can be implying other commodities mm-hmm. that are not illegal well in next week's episode we're going to round out the last 20 minutes of the first hour of the original star wars movie so once again i imagine some pretty interesting stuff is going to happen Perhaps something involving a certain space pirate. I'm thinking that we're going to get introduced to some new characters, some think, really classic ones. I think we're probably going to see some some fun faces. Some walking carpets. Yeah, that's probably right. <laughs> uh, all right. Anything else you wanted to add? Anything else that we didn't really get to? The only other real big thing that I have is... Oh, and this was a huge like turning point in the entire saga, if you look at it as an overall. Uh, this 20 introduced Blue Milk. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> very very good yeah bringing it back all full circle with the green milk uh in the last jedi so yeah the grossest thing ever seen mm. in, that's right in the star wars movie all that nipple play. That's, <laughs> play that's how we're gonna end things off today on all that <laughs> nipple play hey may the force be with you <laughs>